on, everybody? Welcome to Trail Tales, the podcast where I, Kyle O'Grady, an avid thru-hiker and peak bagger, chat with other thru-hikers, peak baggers, ultra runners, uh, yeah, you name it. Today we have a great show with my good friend Matthew Park, otherwise known as Breezy. Breezy and I hiked together for around 200 miles on the Appalachian Trail this past summer, so it was great to kind of go back and reminisce about some of the experiences we had together on the trail. We also talk about the differences between the guidebooks and, I should say, apps that most people use on the AT, most thru-hikers use. We talk about the very fast pace that Breezy set on his thru-hike. He did a under four-month thru-hike of the AT, which is pretty damn crazy. And at the end, we also get into a story that he tells that should serve as a good reminder to always keep your head up when you're hiking uphill. We're going to get into the episode here in just a second, but first, a few episodes back, I made a promise to read my first five-star review that I get on iTunes out loud at the beginning of the next episode. And after my last episode, episode six with Liz's sister, I finally got some iTunes reviews after bugging everybody at the beginning of every episode so far. Some people finally listened, and I got some reviews. Now this is going to be a mouthful to say, but I got five total reviews, four of which were five stars, and one of which was four stars, and only the four star review actually had a message attached to it, and I did say that it had to be five stars in order for me to read it, but fortunately, I'm the one that makes the rules, and therefore I can bend them when I need to, so I'm going to make an exception this one and only time because it's my first written review and I'm going to read it right now. So, Sierra underscore six writes, Laid back, easy to listen to podcast about various experiences on the AT. Was about to give it three stars due to the lack of female voices, but I checked back and was happy to see there was finally a woman interviewee. Delivery is a little rough around the edges, but overall worth a listen. Four stars. So, Sierra underscore six Whoever you are, thank you very much. I think that's a pretty fair review. Saying my delivery is a little rough around the edges is kind of an understatement, so I take that as a compliment. As far as the female guests go, I'm happy to talk to anybody, male, female, and everything in between, that has a cool story to tell about a thru-hike or the outdoors. So that's not really something I take into consideration too much, but I'm happy that you liked the episode with Liz and I'd love to have more females on in the future. And to the other four people that rated the show five stars, thank you so much. I don't know who you are, you're all anonymous, but yeah, I really appreciate it. And I'd like to encourage anybody else who enjoys the show to do the same. Go on iTunes or whatever your podcast streaming platform is, leave a five-star review, and I will be grateful for the rest of my life. One more thing before we start the episode here, I gotta say, if you like the show, if you don't like the show, say you want to talk some shit, say you got any advice for me, any compliments, you want to feed my ego a little bit, you can do that. Send me an email, trailtalespod at gmail.com. I still haven't gotten any emails yet, so honestly, even if you don't have anything worthy to say, just fucking send me an email. Send me a picture of your dog or something. I don't even care. I want to get some dog pics at least. Uh, yeah, trailtalespod at gmail.com. Hit me up. Also on Instagram and Twitter, at trailtalespod. And my personal Instagram is at kylehateshiking, which is irony because I actually love hiking. Anyways, my longest intro is coming to an end. Let's get into the episode, episode number seven, with Matthew Park, otherwise known as Breezy, Appalachian Trail class of 2018. Alright, we're live. Well, we're not really live, but in the moment we're live. I'm here with my friend Matthew Park, otherwise known as Breezy. Breezy and I first met each other, it was in the Smokies, right? Wasn't it? Yeah, um, you know, I was listening to that Mikey's episode and uh, we met each other right in the middle of the Smokies when we were going down to Gatlinburg. Right in the middle of that shit show rainstorm. Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah, that, that that wasn't too much fun. But anyways... 
Breezy and I hiked with each other for, what did you say, probably like three weeks, a couple hundred miles, something like that. Yeah, I, I, it was from uh, Gatlinburg to Damascus. Damascus yeah, because yeah. you took off after that. Hence the name Breezy. We're going <laughs> to get into that a little bit in just a second. But anyways, Breezy, you know, I really appreciate you taking the time to be here, man. It's really cool to uh, catch up a little bit. Like, what's what's going on with you? I mean, like, we haven't really talked much at all since uh, since we got back. Uh, yeah. Um, so things have been all right so far. Just, like, got a new job, all that kind of stuff. Oh, nice. I feel like everyone coming back from the trail is just, like, looking to make more money to go back on the trail again. So. <laughs> Are you in that same boat? Uh, yeah, yeah. I think, um, not to like kind of get into this too much already, but I, I, I really want to do the triple crown at some point. So I think the PCT is next up. Hell yeah, dude. I'm thinking the same thing. No timeline or anything yet, but sometime within the next few years, we'll see where my career takes me and all that stuff. But, um, but yeah, man, it's, it's good to catch up. So I kind of want to start the episode the same way I do with pretty much all my guests so far. I want to ask you, how did you learn about the Appalachian Trail? I know you said you, you'd hiked quite a bit on it before you set out to do the whole thing. And um, what made you decide to do this crazy thru-hike? Uh, yeah, so um, I, I don't know if I told you and Mikey this, but I first started, I uh, heard of the Appalachian Trail um, through the Scouts. I was like a, a Boy Scout, and I grew up near the Shenandoahs. Uh, so we took a lot of like weekend trips um, growing up when I was like, 10 11 years old and i think one of the occasions it was one of our longest ones which was three days which was a lot for like a kid oh Um, yeah for sure but we like we brought our like dads along as well um just you know boy scouts and all that kind of stuff but we saw uh, a group of through hikers going through and um they kind of explained what they were doing and i thought it was just the craziest thing ever uh and then from that point on it was this uh kind of this, this thing in the back of my head that i thought i really wanted to do um it was pretty much on top of the bucket list for till now. Um, <laughs> so I got to figure out what's up there now. But PCT, like you just said. Yeah, PCT. But I, uh, yeah, I, I tried to get out as much as possible. And um, yeah, like you said, I, I, I went out for a big section um, back in 2011 or 2011 or 2012. And uh, I went uh, southbound from uh, Jersey to Damascus. Um, I've I, every time I've gone out to the AT besides doing my through hike, I've always gone southbound because in the back of my mind I was always going to do this northbound journey. Um, so I've I've been out there a lot of the times, and I've only done the middle sections because um, those were the less epic se- sections, as we all know. And just closer to where you lived in uh, the DC area, way closer. I ended up doing Pennsylvania like three times, which is the worst. Oh wow! I know it. It's the worst state to do <laughs> three times. I, yeah. <laughs> south south and then north so you mentioned you did that section from jersey all the way down to damascus how many mm-hmm. miles is that because i mean that, i mean it's, i know it's over 500 because virginia is over 500 but that's got to be what like closer to 700 right yeah it was a solid um between a third and a fourth of the trail uh i started around sunrise mountain um i don't know if you remember where that was i do not (laughs) yeah so many places i feel like we probably hit a couple sunrise mountains over the course of the hike oh right yeah we definitely hit a couple bear mountains did you notice how many freaking bear mountains there were and there's the the most famous one which is in uh, new york obviously but then i know there was one in connecticut i feel like there was one in vermont too or something there's a couple yeah mountains. <laughs> yeah those i mean there's another one that kept coming up over and over again and, and like when you walk sassafras. by the, that was sassafras oh my god in the southern part of the trail there's sassafras gap sassafras mountain just that whole part <laughs> of the trail was just sass I, I remember walking in, like, hearing, uh, like, day hikers talking about sassafras. I'm like, what mountain are you talking about? Because <laughs> I've walked by, like, 30 of these already. A bunch of them. A bunch of them for sure. So when you did that long section hike from uh, Jersey back down to Damascus, you said you knew in the back of your mind that you still wanted to thru-hike someday, right? Yeah. Uh, the intention was to do, like, to take off, like, five, six months and do the entire thing and... Well, I, I actually the intention of doing that that summer section was during my uh, junior year of college, and I went with my cousin, and he lives down in um, Asheville. So we were actually supposed to go all the way to the Smokies, um, but we got to Damascus, and I, 
I washed out. I entirely washed out and I didn't want to do the last how many miles down to the Smokies. So we just called it quits and went back. Um, but that kind of weighed in my head a little bit um, just because, I don't know, like from that point on, I was just like, oh man, like, I don't know if I could do this entire thing um, because like I was feeling really, really low and I actually just quit. Um, so it was kind of, kind of something that affected me later on, especially when I started the trail up, um, just coming into it with a kind of a different attitude for sure. Right, right. So I, I actually recorded an episode last night with uh, a girl named Liz's uh, sister, not Seister. Um, her trail name was Golden Girl. I don't know if you ever met her, but she had done a flip-flop through hike this past summer. Oh, okay. And she did it a lot slower than uh, you and I did. We talked a lot about uh, in the episode last night or last week when you're listening to this, all 40 of you. Um, she had just taken her time. She took a lot of zeros. She took some some time off here and there and uh, really just kind of soaked it in. And the reason I bring this up is because you did quite the opposite. And that's not to imply that you didn't like soak it in or anything. But you, you, you did a fast through hike. So why don't you talk a little bit about your when you started, uh, how long it took, and like kind of your average mileage i guess kind of just just talk about the overall speed of your hike yeah um so i started may 19th uh i think i only ran into two other people that started later than me and i finished uh september 16th so um it was just about four months a little bit under four months that's fast yeah it was it was pretty fast and uh just uh icing on the cake uh i also took a lot of zeros as well so uh, I took about like 16 or 17 zeros. So my average mileage right from the get-go, right from Springer was, uh, or the approach trail was around 22 miles. Um, Is th- does that include zeros? Uh, that does not include zeros. Okay. I was going to say that's crazy if that included zeros. No. Oh, oh, actually, no, that does include zeros, actually. 22 <laughs> miles a day average, including zeros? Yeah, you're um, a madman. That's fuck. That's that's insane, dude. That's insane. <laughs> it was it was definitely fun. Um, I was. I mean, I was in it to do the entire thing, but also to see how far I could push myself. So that was like a like a goal of yours before you even set out. You knew you were going to try to push yourself and do it as fast as you could. Yeah, yeah. I I um I kind of enjoy um, and I I found this later on just. When you're hiking, um, obviously, some people just take in the sights and the sounds and uh, go a little bit slower. But when you go over like 30 miles, you see so much in a day. And uh, those are the days that burn in my head, um, every single one of them. And I, I loved it. Yeah. What was um, your longest day mileage wise? <laughs> it was uh, 42 miles. 42 miles. Where yep. did you do that? I'm guessing Pennsylvania. That's just uh, um, off the top of my head. No, actually, it was it was in Vermont, uh, your oh, home no state. Oh, no kidding! Yeah, yeah. Eight oh two. Uh huh. Damn, dude, forty two miles. Oh, in that slog too, it was just some sort of disgusting mud fest. Um, <laughs> was it right at the beginning of the state then? Because I remember that being pretty bad when I went through. Uh, no, it was in the middle actually. It was from okay. uh, Manchester Center um, onward. Okay, um, so gotcha. I, I kind of forgot where that. Was. See, that's like quite literally the opposite of of the mud situation when I went through there. It was really bad from the mass border up to Manchester Center, but I recall it being a lot better after that, or at least nobody was complaining about it after that. So I don't know. That's uh, that's interesting. Yeah, I I think I did about um, definitely above 2030s. Um, I try to structure my week. You're pretty unstructured when you're on the trail, but like try to keep like at least one or two thirties in a week and then scattered twenties throughout. So, and I like to do like zeros. I like to stay in town and like kind of, that was my thing. I, I like got to a town and then I got to see like, what would, would it be like to live in this town for a little bit and uh, kind of enjoy it. And then I'd just pick up and do like a 25 out of town or something like that. Gotcha. So. Gotcha. So it, it's, it's just crazy. The difference you can have between two different people's hikes, if that makes sense. So, like I said, referring back to uh, Liz, Golden Girl, you know, she took her time. She took in the sights. And that's one kind of extreme end of the spectrum. And then there's you, which is kind of the other extreme, you know, just really, you know, pushing yourself and really coming at it from, I guess, an endurance athletic perspective rather than 
I mean, I don't want to say it wasn't like a journey or an adventure for you, but you know, that was the the endurance aspect was at the forefront of your mind. That was kind of what your goal was. And uh, I, I just think it's interesting how some people come out there with that kind of goal and then other people just kind of go out there and, you know, they're just out there to experience different things and have a good time. It's pretty crazy how the trail can just provide so many different experiences for, uh, for different people. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can't speak towards you guys, but uh, I think it's pretty similar. Like our experiences are probably drastically different from the majority of people. Um, and I think I was, I was talking to you a little bit about this where, um, you end up moving through like their pockets of kind of bubbles throughout the trail. There's like within a hundred mile span or like a 50 mile span, like everyone knows each other within that bubble. Yeah. And if you're hiking really fast, you just catch up to the next bubble. Um, so it was kind of like a rinse and repeat. Like you don't know anyone and then you get to know people and you're like, Oh, it's cool to hike with you guys. And it's like, goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> See you later. The next bubble. <laughs> yeah. Which is like, you get to meet a lot of people though, which is kind of cool. For sure. You probably met, I mean, probably more people than like the majority of through hikers just cause you were moving so fast. Um, were there any other people that you hiked with for a large chunk of the trail besides me and Mikey? Was there was there anybody else around you that was going at a similar pace? Uh, yeah, so a couple people, and I actually have a, an interesting story about this one. Um, so I hiked with uh, a group. I'm trying to think. So I actually met Flossie before you guys did. Oh yeah. Um, down in um, where was that? Down near Parisburg, and he was hiking with a guy named Captain for a bit. Yep, I remember Captain. Yeah, and then I started hiking with um, around uh, this group, uh, Admiral Awesome, and uh, oh man, I can't. Uh, no Chill, and then uh, started hiking around another group, uh, Moon um, Roadrunner, uh, Ellie uh, Squervert. I don't know if you met them. No, I think I might have met Admiral Awesome. We were just calling him Awesome. Awesome. When I, yeah, when I yeah. met him, was he like a bigger guy? Yeah, big uh, guy, big, big beard. I only met him for literally one day, and then we got ahead of him. So that's I, I, never, I didn't really get to know him too well, but I remember him. So um, the 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 funny part about this story was, yeah, I, I ran into pockets of groups. Um, one of the last ones was uh, like uh, Goonbag, Charizard, and that those people. Um, so I actually I summited with four other people that started in May. Um, oh wow. Yeah, and one person that started on the exact day that I started, but I didn't meet him until um, the 100 Mile Wilderness, uh, which was Orlando. Wait, he started the same exact day as you? The same day. And you didn't meet him until day. literally the last what, fucking 100 miles? Like, that's crazy. Yeah, Damn. like literally 120 miles from the, the end. It was it was insane. Um, so it was, um, and if you met these guys, Tom Tom. A backtracker, Orlando, and Moonshine. No, those guys. I don't remember them. They they must have just blown right by me if they started on the same day you did. Yeah, yeah. Um, they were an interesting group, but they all had very similar experiences, which was cool because everyone was hiking really, really fast. Um, right. But uh oh oh, and uh, I didn't see. Um, this is just. I'm like sorry to all your listeners because like this is just me catching up with you. No, no, dude. <laughs> like that's, they that's don't know the point, any of man. these people. <laughs> that's the point. Um, so uh, for whatever those people out there, we hiked around this guy named um, Van Gogh. Yeah, I remember Van Gogh. So I ran into Van Gogh again um, at uh, McAvee's Knob, and I didn't see him up until Maine. I saw him in Maine one more time. And he was just like totally Van Gogh-y. <laughs> he had the full <laughs> beard out. He looked like an insane person. I ran into him in some trail magic and he was had like two tubs of ice cream that he was shotgunning. It was ridiculous. Yeah. That's funny. I actually for like a so he, you just so he must have finished around the same time you did then? Uh, I think a couple days after. Um But you know, same same time frame mm-hmm. because I remember when I got to the entrance of Baxter State Park, you know, the little register there shortly after you uh, passed the little camp store. Yeah. I saw an entry from somebody named Van Gogh and I was like, no way that's the same Van Gogh. Like I know, I knew he was like way ahead of me. I figured he had finished, like I said, around the same time you did. So I guess it was a a different Van Gogh. It was an imposter. Uh, I don't know. He might've slowed down a bit. That would have been crazy. I mean, it was literally like the day before I summited, so he must have. Oh, you're kidding. This specific Van Gogh must have summited on the last day in September, so I feel like that mm. was probably. 
a couple weeks after you did. So I don't know. Most likely not the same Van Gogh, but yeah, who knows? Who knows? All right. Um, what do we want to get into next year? Yeah, I've honestly, I'm like, I've had a couple beers right now, so my mind's just fucking going everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to crack another one. I like, I meant to do it last episode, like get the crack on the microphone and shit, but I forgot. So we're gonna do it now. Or not right now, in a second. Oh, I gotta find a beer too then. Yeah, go for it, man. Let me know when you're good. No, I'm good. I got like tons of beer by me. Okay, cool. You're stocked <laughs> up. <laughs> cool, man. So when we were chatting, uh, it was yesterday actually, uh, you had mentioned that because you had hiked a good portion of the trail already, you know, you were kind of taking that opportunity to explore some of the side trails, some of the Blue Blaze trails. Um, that kind of yeah. split off from the AT. So I kind of wanted to ask you about that. I know from my experience, I was pretty traditional. I stuck to the white blazes for my entire hike. I didn't really take any blue blazes other than, you know, just the side trails to the shelters and the water sources and all that good stuff. So I kind of wanted to ask you about that. So how often did you take those blue blazes? And um, I don't know, just like how did that kind of factor into uh, your your hike? Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, like we were talking before, I have done Virginia a bunch, um, and then the one continuous stretch that one time, and, uh, for those who don't know out there, Virginia is, A, the longest state, and it's, it's pretty, but it's so boring, <laughs> it's the, it's the most it's boring very state. repetitive, for sure. Yeah. Um, so I was looking for anything, and just to, like, switch things up, because I, like, I knew what I was expecting, uh, on the trail, just like probably you were with uh, the long trail in Vermont. So like any blue blaze that it was more of like any southbounders that came by or people day hiking in the area, if they said like, oh, this like kind of hooks around and connects back to the trail, like, but it's, it's really pretty. It goes by a waterfall or there's more views. I would probably take that trail. Um, it didn't happen too often. Like I would say I blue blaze probably 10% from Damascus to uh, Delaware Water Gap, which is still uh, probably like 100 miles or something like that. But, right, right. Um, it was but you had already amount. done that 100 yeah, miles anyway. Yeah. So I mean, I had in my head I wanted to be a purist, um, but it was just it was hard. I I, I just did it already, and I, it wasn't really something that I wanted to do again. I was pretty adamant on walking the entire thing um, after. I had no one to aquablaze with me, but uh, <laughs> besides that, um, yeah, it was just kind of taking other different routes. Um, some of them would be a little bit of shortcuts, and some would be kind of long side trails that uh, amounted to nothing and extra miles. Uh, There's like this one in Southern Virginia, um, Devil's Marble Yard. I don't exactly remember where this was by, but it was a side trail that went out, and there was this huge marble like rock scramble yard. Um, and I got totally lost. So I had to like kind of bushwhack my way back to the trail. I ended up killing half a day trying to do that. Uh, oh, which no. was, yeah, it was kind of a pain in the ass, but, um, you end up seeing like some other stuff that um, maybe people don't have the opportunity to, if they're, uh, being purists or probably this, the people who take their time, like they take like an eight month stint, probably do all these blue blazes as well. So I enjoyed it for sure. I don't know. I, I wouldn't do it any other way, to be honest, if I was to do it over again. Right, right. That's good. So how did you learn about these blue blazes? I know you mentioned just a second ago that sometimes people would tell you about them, but I know for me, I would be kind of sketched out just like going on a side trail that I don't have any like documentation or like a, a guidebook that covers that section of the trail. How did you, I mean, you just said you got lost at one point. So I don't know. How did you, how did you manage that? And like, how did you learn about these blue blazes besides just, you know, seeing the signs for them and stuff? Uh, yeah. So I would, so a lot of it was word of mouth, uh, from some people and I would just take their word. Uh, and most of the time it turned out well for me not getting lost. Uh, but the, the companion actually had some side trails um, on there as well and told them or it told me like where it would hook back up and okay. some distances that would come off. So um, depending on the description of it, I would take it or if it was if it seemed boring, then I would just kind of stay on the trail. Most of the blue blazes that you took were ones that linked back up with the AT. Did, did you ever do any that were just like an out and back? Yeah, I did a couple out and backs actually. Um, I did one in Pennsylvania. 
um, and actually one in New Hampshire as well. I did. Oh, it, it's it's near Franconia. There's like this beautiful out and back there. But that basically people, the day hikers or people who are from the area just told me that, oh, you have to do this. Was, was it okay. another peak? Uh, you're talking about New Hampshire? Yeah, yeah. It's it's a very, oh man, I'm literally going to smack myself in the face because uh, it's like <laughs> a one word, one. It's near Franconia Ridge uh, before you get to the presidentials. Oh, the penny loop, the penny loop. You did the you did the Pemi loop when you're in the middle of did you go to the bonds is that what it is the bonds there, there we yeah. go yeah i went to the end of the bonds and i came back i didn't actually do the entire loop that's pretty far out of the way though but good choice the bonds are are really cool i've i've done all the four thousand foot peaks in new hampshire so i i, I did oh, the Pemi right. loop uh a couple of years ago it was like back in 2015 I, I don't even know but yeah the bonds are sick i hope you have good weather because i didn't and i couldn't see anything <laughs> which kind of sucked but oh, <laughs> they were still yeah, cool I, I had crap weather in Franconia, and then when I hit the bonds, it was perfect. Did you um, did you cool. sit out on the ledge, uh, on a bond cliff? Uh, I got kind of close. It kind of freaked me out it's a little bit. It's sketchy for sure. For <laughs> oh sure. my god! It's like even more sketchy than McAfee Knob, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, I got kind of vertigo-y going to the edge of that one. Yeah, sure. that one's tough. For anybody listening, if you're not familiar with the uh, the bonds or bond cliff, just uh, Google it. Go to Google Images and search Bond Cliff, because uh, it's a it's an epic photo for sure. If you can suck it up and get out there, but man, yeah, I I remember when I went over. First of all, there was nobody else up there when I was there, so I guess I really wouldn't have had the option to take the Bond Cliff photo anyways. But in my mind, I was like, oh yeah, maybe I'll do it. I'll see. And I'm I'm not like particularly afraid of heights, but when I got up there, I was like, yeah, even if there was somebody here, there's no way I'm going out there. <laughs> it's tough. Yeah, it was, it was, a uh, it was, I mean, you're in the New Hampshire already and everything's pretty tough and I don't know, it was pretty, it was really pretty. It's actually my favorite part of the whites, to be honest. Was, uh, the Bonds or the Franconia, Pemi, uh, area in general? Uh, pro- no, the Bonds, the Bonds. I didn't see anything in Franconia. Um, I had a good day for the presidentials. That was a very long day. I actually did that entire, to the bottom of the not both notches in a single day. You went from Crawford to uh Pinkham notch in one day? Yeah, yeah. You're an animal, man. That's that's <laughs> crazy. I've always thought that not not doing it with a pack, but doing that hike like at night during the summer when like the weather's good, like I've yeah. always thought that would be like really really cool cuz I mean you're above tree line for I mean most of it. I'd say probably what like 80% at least right. of that entire stretch. I don't know. That's that's on my list of things to do, which I probably won't ever get to. But <laughs> if you're ever in the area, it's summer and the weather's nice and we both have time off for some reason. Dude, let's oh, do it. Let's do it hell at night. Yes. Hell yeah. I would definitely do that. Um, just, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say like I had perfect weather that day. Um, a little bit like rainy at the end. Um, but also I'm like a really just dumb person and I didn't pack enough food. Uh, so I would just go to hut to hut and shotgun pancakes and just go to the next <laughs> hut and shotgun more pancakes and just keep going. So I ended up consuming so many calories that day um, because it was just free food. Which you definitely needed. I I really haven't talked about the, the huts in the White Mountains at all on this podcast. I should have brought it up uh, yesterday when I was recording with Liz because we actually met the for only one night because she was going southbound at that point. Um, when we both did a work for stay at Lake of the Clouds hut. So, um, did you, did you get a chance to do that at all or stay at any of the huts? I know you went through pretty fast, so maybe not. I I didn't get to stay. Yeah. What was it like at Lake of the Clouds? Did you stay in the dungeon as people are calling it? No, I didn't actually. I got lucky. I believe Liz did. I can't, I can't honestly remember, but no, we, we had, taken a zero in bartlett new hampshire which is not really a big trail town it's like not even really much of a town um it's not in a wall or any of the guidebooks really but i had driven through crawford notch a bunch of times uh throughout the years just uh heading to and from uh my family's summer house in maine so i knew that like 10 or 15 miles down uh, the road at us 302 there at crawford notch there was like a little like it's like i said it's not even a town it's pretty much just a a stoplight with like mm. a grocery store, a couple hotels and a Dairy Queen. But I was like, 
I mean, we needed a zero, so we were like, fuck it, like, let's just go, let's go get some Dairy Queen, like, that sounds amazing, right? <laughs> so we yeah. did, and that was, it, it was pretty funny, we actually, so the, the night that we got in, it was, it was not even night, it was probably like four o'clock in the afternoon, um, we were calling around some hotels, like, it's it's a pretty touristy area, there's no, certainly no thru-hiker discounts or anything like that, because like I said, it's not really a, a spot that Appalachian Trail hikers go very often, so... The hotels were all pretty expensive, and our friend Classic, who I'm not sure if you ever got a chance to meet Classic, but we hiked with him know. for pretty much all of New England, and oh, wow. he was he had called this hotel that was right across from Dairy Queen, and he kind of like, he's from Toronto, but he's very Polish, like both his parents immigrated from Poland, and I guess over there, I'm, I'm probably going to sound like an idiot for people in europe or poland or whatever but (laughs) apparently over there it's like common to like haggle prices right so he managed to haggle the uh the person on the phone at this hotel a little bit and got the price of the hotel knocked down a little bit but we still didn't really want to pay for two nights so we ended up just literally walking behind this dairy queen there was like a patch of woods so our first night the the night we got into town we just uh we literally just camped behind dairy queen (laughs) oh seriously that's amazing (laughs) And it was, it was tight. I mean, it was just a, like I said, it was just a patch of woods. Like it's still a heavily forested area, obviously, cause you're right in the middle of the, of the white mountains. And there's just a random dairy queen and that was home <laughs> for that night. And then we skirted over to the hotel across the street the next day. So, oh, that's amazing. you know, I was going somewhere with this somehow going to relate it back to what you were saying, but I honestly can't even remember now. So I I'm can't gonna... even remember what I was talking about. Either. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take this opportunity to open up my. I believe this is my fifth beer of the night. Nice. You hear that? Mm-hmm. Had a couple of Dos Equis. I don't know if you've ever drank Dos Equis, but for some oh, reason I had funny. I had an urge to drink Dos Equis this weekend. So nice. That's that's what I that's what I did. And then I had a couple switchbacks. Got a rep of Vermont beers, and I just opened up a very delicious Bush Latte. So that's bush what we're working latte. with. Otherwise oh known God. as Bush Light, but I prefer Bush Latte. So good. And for those of you that think I'm an alcoholic for drinking five beers in one night, first of all, let me point out that today is Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving, so I don't have to work tomorrow. I can stay up as late as I want. I can get as drunk as I want. Probably not going to get that drunk because none of my roommates are home, and that's kind (laughs) of sad. But second of all, I'm only not even a year out of college yet, so I can still drink like I'm in college. I'm only 22, so... (laughs) Anyways, we should, we should probably get back to hiking because that's what this is all about. So you did bring this up very briefly earlier. Um, one thing I haven't really talked about on the podcast yet is guidebooks or I guess mm. you could say apps, you know, just yeah. technology or the information that through hikers use to uh, get themselves up the trail and, and provide the information that they need in town and all that stuff. Myself, I used the AWOL guide from David Miller, which is probably the most popular like physical guidebook on the trail. I mean, there's really only two like we're going to get into in just a second, but it's definitely the more common of the two. But you use the other one, which as we briefly talked about before we started recording here, I think you're the only person that I met on my entire thru-hike that was using the Appalachian Trail thru-hikers companion guide. And it's, it sounds like you're not too stoked on that. Why don't you kind of talk a little bit about the guidebook oh and gosh. give me a little mini review here in the middle of the show. Yeah. Like you said, I am the biggest fool. Uh, <laughs> everyone uses every other guidebook and gut hooks. So my thinking going into this entire thing was, hey, like, you know, the ATC, the ALDA, ALDHA creates this book. So I might as well just throw some money at them and buy the book. But... Uh, not only was, um, you know, the book not as descriptive as uh, AWOL or definitely not descriptive as Gut Hooks, but it was just, it was very difficult to kind of, a lot of the, like, <laughs> the landmarks on there were a little bit off and... Um, oh, really? Like the yeah. information was, or the landmarks, I guess. What do you, what do you mean by uh, landmarks? Uh, so it's, it's like some of like the, well, like the mile marker indicators of like where you're supposed to be was like slightly off. Um, I was always having like conflicting mile markers with gut hooks and conflicting mile markers with uh, AWOL. How frequently would you say you had those conflicts? Because I know AWOL was off 
Sometimes, but it, it was I probably found a discrepancy maybe like once a month. It really wasn't that often. Oh, really? Yeah, it was. It was almost every other day. Oh um, wow! I, I eventually stopped caring to be honest because I just like you kind of learn just to keep walking. Right, because it like, really doesn't matter. It's just one of those things that you're like you notice it and you're like, oh, okay, that's not yeah. right. <laughs> but when you get lost, it kind of like freaks you out because like you definitely it, it wasn't helping very much. There's also uh, I don't want to like crap on the companion too much but there were like misspellings all over the place sometimes some of the maps were missing um and they like printed out the same map twice on a couple pages oh really yeah um they definitely need a copy editor <laughs> yeah that sounds like some lack of uh, attention to detail there i'm, I'm kind of surprised because i mean i didn't look through it too much but i remember i did you know flip through a couple pages of your guide at one point and yeah i mean honestly really the only thing that stuck out to me that was like not good about it was just the fact that it was a lot bigger and bulkier, heavier than uh than AWOL was, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I ended up carrying like the entire book up until Massachusetts, and then I started ripping out pages because uh, I'm just an idiot. But I uh, the the other thing I kind of liked about it was it had a little bit more dis- like more description of like kind of the markers on there, so a little bit about the history of either the town or like uh, some land features. So. Yeah, I would spend like maybe the day, that's kind of the aspect I like about it, the day beforehand just reading about some of the history or like why these certain things were there before I set out for the next day of hiking by them. So it gave me a little bit more context of like what I was seeing. Um, I definitely, definitely like that aspect and I wouldn't do that research myself, but using it as uh, kind of like a, a map more or less, I, yeah, I wouldn't do it again. I'm, I'm fully sold on gut hooks. Gut hooks is cool. Like I said earlier, I really don't think I've talked too much about it because I didn't have gut hooks. Uh, Mikey had it, and I hiked with Mikey for Mullet Mike. That is for almost the entire trail. So anytime I needed like any information that AWOL didn't have, I would just kind of, hey Mike, you know, is there a stealth site at this water source? Because AWOL doesn't say it, and he'd be like, yep, read the comments, or nope, there's nothing there, but. Yeah, gut hook, gut hooks is uh, is is really cool for sure. I did use it when I hiked the long trail two, yeah, two years ago, but oh, um, cool. I just didn't want to dish out the money for it on this hike for some reason. Yeah, uh, my only problem with gut hooks is that uh, people tend to just stare at their phone and like it makes the hike seem that much longer in a day because you're kind of tracking where you are and people just like frequently look to see how far they are from the camp. Yeah, because it tells you exactly how far you are from any given uh, waypoint along the trail. I know yeah. when I used it on the long trail, it would kind of like bring me down sometimes because at the end of a long day, I thought I was like close to the shelter or the campsite or whatever. And I'm like, all right, fuck it. Like, I got to know how close I am. And you pull <laughs> it out and you're still like, I don't know, like seven tenths of a mile or whatever, right. which isn't very far. But when you're when you thought you were like right around the corner, it's definitely kind of frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> it's an easy trap to fall into with gut hooks for sure. You got to learn how to like zone out hard, which every, I think everyone on the trail has a good skill about doing. Yeah. You definitely develop that after a while. Um, for those of you who aren't familiar with AWOL or the through hikers companion or gut hooks, uh, I just kind of want to go through and uh, just kind of give an overview of like what the differences are between the two. So AWOL is definitely a little bit more bare bones. It's still got all the information that you need as far as the uh, elevation profile of the trail. So it shows you, it's pretty much just a a line uh, that kind of outlines the ridge. So like, you know, when you're about to go up a big mountain, you know, when it's going to be flat, you know, when it's going to be downhill, it's got all the water sources, all the campsites and very thorough town information as well. Um, So I guess I want to ask you breezy, Mm-hmm. Since you use the companion for most of your hike, is there besides the history and stuff? Was like there any major difference between AWOL? Was there any information that you found AWOL had that the companion didn't have, or vice versa? I think the graphs were a little bit more descriptive, like you're saying. Um, the companion definitely had elevation profiles, but uh, when I, whenever I looked at someone else's AWOL, it was a little bit more uh, detailed for sure. Right, but uh, the I mean the basics were there. And I guess the probably the biggest difference between the two is, at least from my understanding, AWOL is designed specifically to be as like small as possible as far as the actual like hard copy of the book itself. 
it's um it's it basically just crams as much important information into this fairly small little guidebook as possible and the companion seems like it's more of like it just like a regular book like they didn't put quite as much thought into uh the the light weightness of uh of the no. book i guess yeah you got to be fine with either tearing out pages or carrying that entire bad boy I know what I did is I took my AWOL guide and then like a couple days before I left, originally I was just going to carry the whole thing from start to finish, but I realized because, you know, I'm such a gram weenie, it was like, I think the full book was like eight ounces and change and that was too much for me, half a pound, you know, so I ended up cutting it into fourths and then I just had my, my parents mail me the, uh, oh, the different okay. sections as I went further north. That was kind of nice because I, I didn't really want to tear out pages. I mean, that's another way you can do it. You can start with the whole thing and then just tear out pages as you go. But I kind of used my AWOL as like a mini little journal. So I would just like circle different places and just write not even like much description about that place, but I would just write something so that when I looked back on it, I could like kind of put myself in that in, in my shoes at that time, kind of picture the, the area that I was in. Looking back on it now, I can say that I kind of failed at that a lot of the time because I'll, I'll like look through something and then all I wrote for like a certain shelter that I don't really remember was just like ate lunch here with Mikey and I'm like, well, <laughs> I did that every single day for like four and a half months, so I don't know. That's amazing. I uh, I, I I did that for a little bit actually. Um, I think I started that when I was with you guys um, and then just like writing like the mileage uh, steps and like more of just kind of analytical stuff and less about like what was going on through the day just to track that kind of stuff. But then I ripped out like half the book and I don't, it's in a fire. Somewhere, so. <laughs> it's gone. It's gone for good. Yeah, it's way gone. Yeah. I guess the other, the last thing I kind of want to bring up about the whole guidebook thing is one of the reasons why I didn't want to bring gut hook with me. Well, you don't bring gut hook with you. It's on your phone. It's a freaking app. The reason I didn't, I guess rely solely on gut hook is because I was always paranoid that like my phone would die or something. And then I just like, wouldn't have any information at all about the trail after that. I mean, granted there's so many people on the AT that you'd probably be fine. Even if that happened, I mean, there'd be someone else willing to help you out, but on other trails, cause I know gut hook has the app for a lot more than just the AT and the PCT. They've got a lot of smaller trails and mm-hmm. different uh, trail systems. Even I think they have one for the white mountains and all those trails as well. I could be wrong about that. Someone double check me, but um, anyways, I, I guess in a situation like that on a less traveled trail, you could potentially run into some trouble if your phone died and that was your only way of getting around and getting the information that you need. Yeah. So no joke uh, that actually did happen to me in Maine. Um, I was using gut hooks from Vermont on and I was just like, you know, screw the companion. I'm never going to use this ever again. You just got rid of it at that point. You weren't carrying it. Well, I was, I was carrying it because I was kind of like paranoid like you were. And then I dropped my phone in uh, uh, a stream. That's not good. <laughs> no. So I didn't have a phone for um, a week and a half. And if I didn't have my book, I would have been screwed. It was the most painful week and a half because I had no music or podcast, but uh, I was able to like, know where things were thanks to my book uh where in maine were you because i'm honestly kind of curious how you got another phone because most of maine is pretty rural i don't recall seeing any verizon stores in any of those trail towns yep uh so i had like a back i have have two phones like a backup phone um that was over at my parents actually so it broke somewhere near uh i'm gonna mess this up the that the mile notch the musahonic notch or mahusik mahusik notch yeah um, and I thought it was going to turn back on. It didn't. So I took a day and I went into Rangeley and I was just like, you need to send me a phone, send me my phone. And it has to be at the last town, which was, uh, the one before the hundred mile, uh, Monson. Monson. Yeah. And I was just like, I don't care about like anything. I just want a picture of myself on Katahdin. If I don't, I'm going to wait in Monson until my phone comes. Uh, and luckily it just timing wise, it, it came on the exact same day that I got to Monson. So, oh, nice, nice. Uh, but from Mahusik Notch to monson pretty much the majority of maine or no maybe two-thirds of maine i didn't have a phone well at least you got it back i guess that worked out pretty well i was gonna say because when you said you got another phone a week and a half later while you were in maine i was like okay he either he's got a backup phone or 
yeah. he like went way off the trail somewhere to find a Verizon store or whatever. Oh, hell not no, even yeah. Verizon. You had don't tell me T-Mobile. <laughs> yeah, you remember T-Mobile. I, I remember you complaining about that. We we both kind of oh my God. bonded over our lack of cell service at the start of the trail because I had AT and T. Yeah, and the southern part of the trail, especially and the northern part, actually not much uh, coverage for AT and T. That's for sure. Oh my gosh. No one get T-Mobile or AT&T. If you're doing the trail, get Verizon. Verizon is the way to go for oh sure. Oh my gosh. It's, I, if I was to do the trail again, I would get Verizon. Like I just pay for four months, five months of Verizon. Or just get a track phone that uses Verizon's networks. Cause yeah. 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 Oh my God. Yeah. That was, look, listen to us millennials complaining about no cell service <laughs> in the middle of the woods. <laughs> That's so funny. But That's it so sucks funny. though when you want to call a hostel like to pick you up and you're like at a road and you're like oh this is like the thirtieth road that has no service. Or you like, want to check the weather. Oh shit. Uh oh. Can you still hear me, Breezy? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, you broke up a little bit, but my computer just like stopped. It was just like <laughs> shut down. That's really weird. That's never happened before. Uh, uh, no while I've been recording one of these. Anyways, so one of the things that you had mentioned to me when we were talking yesterday is that you kind of had a shift in attitude as you got further north on the trail. I know when we hiked together for that couple weeks at the towards the beginning there, um, I'm not going to say you had a bad attitude. You didn't have a bad attitude. You were, you were fun to be around, obviously, given we hiked together for so long. But um, you definitely complained a lot, and usually sarcasm, but I still like called you out on it a couple times, gave you some shit for it, so... Oh, you uh, gave me so much shit for it. <laughs> <laughs> you had mentioned that you kind of had a shift in attitude as you got further north on the trail. Um, can you kind of just talk about that a little bit? Like, what, what changed there? Yeah, um, I was thinking about this the other day. Like, why why this happens? Um, I was, yeah, I definitely was deeply sarcastic and, like, very negative. <laughs> like, in like, oh, you know, this... God damn this trail, like this all sucks, but we're we're all doing this. Um, I remember when we were in Damascus, we were at that uh, pizza place that has uh, a map of the trail on the wall, just like oh, extended God. all the way down the wall. And you and Mikey were both like, dude, we have so far to go. <laughs> and I'm like looking at where we are in Damascus and I'm like, I'm feeling good about it. I'm like, yeah, you know, we've, we've come a, a decent uh, way on the trail now. I'm like all stoked. And then you, you guys were just like total opposite. You're like, oh, we still have so far to go. Anyway, sorry, continue. <laughs> yeah i remember i remember that too like we were looking at the map and we we're just looking at each other like can, can you even imagine and we we're just like oh my god uh but i think that like honestly what it was was um because i did the midsection of the trail and because i voluntarily quit last time um it kind of i definitely knew what like the entirety of or just a, a really long like a six week seven week long hike would be and i know like you get in like these deep, deep funks. So I, I guess I was trying to put myself in those funks to before I got there. I, this sounds like really weird coming out, <laughs> but like I, I tried to like force myself in those funks. Uh, so like in the later phases, I wouldn't be so negative. Um, but it kind of had like an opposite effect because later on, um, like when you start the trail, it just it seemed you can't you can't think about Katahdin to an, to an extent. Like it's so far away that you have to like compartmentalize uh, months or weeks or even days. Uh, right, because right. If you think about like Katahdin, you like you, it's like a losing battle. You're almost you're almost certainly going to be like, wow, that's too far. I can't make it. Uh, but at a certain point, I re I, I kind of just thought to myself like, this is hard. Yes, but I'm actually having like a lot of fun out here, and I'm seeing like new stuff uh, all the time, meeting new people. I don't know. It was kind of a flip over in Harper's Ferry or maybe, no, no, no. It, no, it wasn't Harper's Ferry. It was at Delaware Water Gap where I was starting to have a lot more fun. For those of you who don't know, that's the border between Pennsylvania and New Jersey. Uh, it coincided. Um, I'm not going to say this is the reason, but it coincided with uh, the deli hopping in uh, New yeah. Jersey. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually, I, uh, I was hiking with this guy named Moon and we went to a bar every single day um, and just not... While still putting in 22 miles a day? Yes, yes, You're yeah. You're an animal, Breezy. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> dude, I hate that. <laughs> but uh, no, yeah, it just... 
and these weren't like we weren't hiking out of like far because the towns were so close to the trail and they all had like these awesome delis and bars that you can hop to so i was having a lot of fun doing that and i don't know it just it kind of switched my attitude significantly um and I, it was just a lot more in a positive light. I remember thinking at one point, I was like, oh, man, I wish Nara could see me now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I can uh, hear you yeah. now, and it sounds like you had a good time, so that's good. Yeah. And, like, I, I I don't bring that up to, like, say, like, oh, you were just, like, down in the dumps the whole time. Like, I mean, we, we still had a lot of fun for sure, but, yeah. you know, you, were, you just complained a little yeah, bit more than average, which is... A lot because pretty much everyone complains honestly i would say for me it was probably the opposite like i was a lot more just like positive at the beginning like i definitely started to complain a lot more as i got further on i don't know <laughs> i think a big piece of it too was in the beginning it just didn't stop raining um, yeah we did have some pretty sh- especially when we met each other right in the smokies i've talked about that a bunch of times on different episodes of this podcast at some point but yeah we had was, some uh, pretty uh, shitty weather at the beginning for sure and yeah i think later on after thinking about it it was just like you know if i can deal with like 30 days of rain like this is just everything else is a breeze i hate rain so <laughs> <laughs> we're already at about 50 minutes this is flying right by yeah. Um, there's still a couple more things I want to get to. Okay. So first of all, stories. I ask everybody this every single episode, and um, I know you already have told a couple, but are there any just stories from your through hike that you think are interesting or funny or crazy or whatever? Anything it could be on trail, off trail, hitchhiking, you know, any of that stuff. Anything worth uh worth uh mentioning here? Okay, I have a funny story, and it's I'm gonna bring this one up because it was with you two. And then I have an oh shit story um, where I thought, um, like, I actually thought I was in, like, life-threatening danger. The first one, is it the Gatlinburg one? No, no, no. I won't do that one because Mike already told that one. It was uh, the day before Damascus. Do you remember that one? Oh, yep. I I know what you're going to say. Yeah, go for it. (laughs) That was funny. uh, um, The the latter part of when I was hiking with you guys... uh, Mullet Mike and I were definitely really lazy and we just like kind of went to the shelters uh, more so than NAR. And uh, NAR was, you know, hammock life for, for life, basically. And that was probably pretty comfortable, but we just didn't want to set up our tents. And uh, we get to this shelter right out on the outskirts of uh, Damascus. I think it was like a 10 mile hike in. And it was probably a pretty like frequently used shelter because it was so close to Damascus. Do you remember the name at all? I know it was the last shelter going northbound in Tennessee, but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna Google it. I'm gonna Google it. Keep going. Yeah. Okay. So while you Google it, yeah. So we we stopped in. It was it was a pretty long day. Um, we like joked about like doing a thirty into Damascus, and uh, I think you and I finished around the same time. We still had light in the day, um, and uh, I think we we definitely went over twenty that day. Um, but we were all just exhausted, and I think it rained at some point. So you went to set up your tent, or sorry, your, your hammock, and then Mikey and I, we basically were just like, you know, no one else is coming. It was a pretty quiet night, so we set up our tents within the shelters, which I usually wouldn't do, but there was no one there. And uh, I think I remember as we were, like, eating around uh, the tables, we saw, like, like mice or something around that. I usually read the books to see if there's any mice in the shelters, yeah. and there's nothing. There's nothing in there. That was a pretty run-down shelter. Most of the shelters oh, that were strictly in Tennessee on the trail were pretty run-down, as I recall. Oh, my God. By the yeah. way, Abingdon, Abingdon Gap Shelter. That's the name Abingdon of the shelter. Okay, yeah. Just uh, spoilers at the end. Don't stay in the shelter in Abingdon Gap. The mice are just insane. So we all try to go to bed, and uh, I'm trying to go to sleep for about an hour and a half. And I can hear the mice just scurrying around within uh, the shelter. And I keep, like, waking up to shine my light. Uh, Mikey's, like, looking at me to say, like, what's going on. And I do this for, like, an hour and a half. <laughs> at certain points of the night, I just we, – we hung up our, our bags on some of the, the bear lines within uh, – or, sorry, the, the, the mice lines within uh, the shelter. And I could see and hear Mikey's bag just vibrating. fight like violently vibrating um the mice were just going to town they were just going to town i like i would shine a light and like a mouse would be like on the top of his pack and i'd shine it again and there'd be like two coming out of like all of his pockets and i'm just like all right i'm too tired to deal with this (laughs) 
<laughs> so I go to bed and uh, the next morning we all kind of wake up early because we want to get to Damascus. And I tell Mike about this and uh, he opens one of his pockets and it's just filled, filled to the brim with a rat poo, with oh, mice no. poo. Uh, Let's see that. And um, he like refuses to do anything about it. He just shuts the pocket and he looks both of us in the face. He's just like, yeah, I'm not opening that pocket. (laughs) (laughs) He did get rid of the pack uh, after Damascus. So he's like, yeah, "Yeah, I guess it didn't even matter. (laughs) I'm just like, that's, that's, I remember when we walked into Damascus at the hostel, we stayed at, he just took hand sanitizer and just sprayed it in there and just like shook the pack. And I'm just like, I don't think you understand how to clean things, man. That's just disgusting. So gross. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that was my that was my funny story. I I still cracked up about that when I was on the trail. Honestly, when you told me you had a story from that night, I thought you were going to say something else. I thought you were going to tell the story about how you found that little gecko like in your pants that night. Cuz that was, I'm pretty sure that was the same oh. night. Do you remember that? Uh that was, I think that was the night before, actually. Was it? Okay, I thought it was, are you sure? I'm pretty sure, it was, I, I, don't, I don't know. It might have been the same night. Oh, God, oh, that was so <laughs> disgusting. Oh, I, I think I blocked that out of my brain. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, after a long hike, we're all just like in the shelter, and I get up, and like something falls out of my pants, and I'm just like, oh my God, how long have I been carrying this around for? It wasn't a gecko. I don't even, it was one of those, oh, I don't know, it was... It was a giant centipede. It was a one centipede. Of those huge, that's what it was. Like, yeah, five inch long centipedes. Oh god, I'm just like I'm cringing thinking about it. You were um, flipping shit. You were so pissed. <laughs> that that was honestly that was one of the funniest. Just watching your reaction to that because that was, that oh, was good. those things are so gross. Uh, that was the night that we watched. Okay, so that was the night that we watched the gecko and the frog. Oh, uh, okay, yeah, fight each other. Yeah. So that was that must have been the night before, huh? Yeah, yeah, I think it was that night. Yeah, that it was, was crazy. It was like, it was pouring rain out. What was the name of that? It was like Vandevere Shelter, I want to say. Yeah. Or I might yeah. have mispronounced it. It started with a V. I don't remember, but we were we were just in the shelter. We all kind of rolled in early, uh, tried to beat the rain unsuccessfully. But um, we were, I mean, it was pouring, so we were just cooped up in the shelter. And we had a lot of time to kill still. And at one point, I think it was me that noticed there yeah. was... A little gecko and a frog, or not a frog, like a toad, just beyond the uh, platform of the shelter. So still like in the shelter pretty much uh, under the roof. And they were kind of staring each other down. And then at one point the frog just started to like hit, not even, that's the wrong word, not hit, but just like demolish this uh, gecko with its tongue. It would just like, just bam, fucking get the thing. And then it would like wait a minute and then the gecko would slowly start to try to get away from the toad and then bam they just get it again <laughs> and eventually the gecko just died like its guts were just spilled out the side of it and then the toad yeah. just like dipped like it didn't even stick around but the gecko was gone the next morning so maybe it came back i don't know anything about toads and their <laughs> eating habits but i'm just gonna assume that's what happened so we we definitely watched that for like almost an hour <laughs> yeah because i mean we were sitting in that shelter there's only so much you can talk about i feel like there was probably no cell service and we're like all right this is know. some good old-fashioned outdoor entertainment right here let's watch these uh these right? two things go at it not even discovery channel in front of us literally it was it was like planet Earth right in front of my face. It was great. <laughs> that oh, yeah. was a that was a fun night. Anyways, so before we wrap this up, Breezy, mm-hmm. um, I kind of want to get to that other story you had mentioned uh, just before you started telling the uh, oh. the story about Abington Gap Shelter. Uh, what was that? Yeah, I'll be I'll be really quick about this one. Um, so this was in the Hundred Mile Wilderness, and uh, I think you've explained this a couple times before. But the Hundred Mile is um, kind of a section, the most remote section of Maine. Um, once you start hiking in, you have to hike through it or you have to hike back out because there's like literally no resupplier towns or anything like that. And, uh, I, I had an injury halfway or about 13 miles through that. So, uh, when you end up hiking, it was raining. Um, a lot of people turn their hats in front of them. everyone wears a hat on the trail and a lot of people wear their hats in front of them. Uh, so it cuts off like all peripheral vision in front of you, um, above your head. And uh, I don't know if this happened to you frequently. It probably happened to me five times where a turned over um, tree would be like head length 
and you would just walk into a tree and smack your head. Oh, smack your head. I, yeah. I don't I don't think it ever happened to me on the AT, but it's happened you're to me on other me. hikes before. Okay. So yeah, I, I know where you're coming from there. Yeah, so I um it was raining. Uh, I had my hood on, I had a hat up, so I would just I lost all peripheral vision. Just zoned my head. out looking at the ground. Uh, I just started the hundred mile. I was just it was yeah, I was just cruising, cruising, cruising. Uh, and I was going up this uphill and I was just with this momentum, I just smacked my head so, so, so hard. It was harder than anything that I could have like the past the last times and i just like crumpled to the floor oh no um and i was like uh i got down the floor and it was like a searing pain and i remember like there's like this liquid that was coming out of my eyes and i was like oh my gosh like i hit myself so hard i'm i like i made myself cry (laughs) and i i opened (laughs) i opened my eyes and it's not it's not tears it's it's blood coming out of like uh of my um not my eyes, but it down my face. And uh, it, I took like a split moment and I was like, oh, oh shit, oh shit. Um, and I started removing uh, all my clothes out of my pack like instantly um, because like the I've never had a head injury before, but blood started pooling down my face um, from oh, where geez. I hit my head. And uh, I was thinking to myself, oh my God, I'm 13 miles in. Like this is, this is like how people die. <laughs> Um, so I, I like I put as much like dry clothes on top of my head and I like try to stop the bleeding. It was kind of a like a very long gash on the top of my head, like right in the center of your head. Yeah, right, in, uh, like where my hairline, like it hidden in the hairline. Okay. And uh, yeah, I hit. I was just like holding it, and like as I was holding the stuff there, things were still bleeding down my face. Like my pack was just covered in blood, um, and the rain wasn't helping. It was just like pooling all over the place. And I was hiking out with Moonshine, and I got maybe a couple miles in front of him. So I was like, "Okay, Moonshine's gonna—he's gonna come, and he, uh, he'll be here in uh, like a bit." And I remember him; he was like hiking around, like he saw me, and he was just like really surprised because it was around lunchtime. And he's like, "Oh, like you waited—you uh, waited uh, to get lunch with me." And he just like walks up, and he just sees my face just covered in blood, and he's just like, "What the fuck?" And <laughs> <laughs> um, at this point, I didn't think it was too bad i i really didn't know um so i was just like all right moonshine i want you to do two things um i want you to just make sure this isn't life-threatening and then once it's not i want you to take a picture of me <laughs> and he was just like oh you social media whore uh, but uh he uh luckily had this goo um in his bag and uh, i think he's had some experience like with like head gashes well that's convenient yeah i know um so he he like cleaned off like he had some alcohol to clean off his hands and like we started to like go into town on my head and um he kind of patched it up he said it was it was pretty big but it was uh, kind of a superficial cut um so it didn't run too deep thinking about now i probably should have hiked back out of the 100 mile but i it's like You're one of those so things close get, man yeah yeah uh you have like your smell in the barn so you like you want to get to katahdin so i took like a kind of a short like a longer break like a couple hours ate like almost like a fourth of my food and like drank a lot of water and then took a little bit slower pace out there but that was the literal only time that I thought because it's just such a remote area that I thought you know this is this is how people this is how people eat it that's like the worst spot on the entire trail to have something like that happen to yeah I remember you posting a picture of that actually now that you mention it um I I while you were telling the story there, I pulled up your Instagram, but uh, I don't see it on your Instagram. Is it is it on Facebook then? Or oh uh, no, it's on Instagram. It's like it's the last picture of uh, so there's a picture of Katahdin. Oh okay, it's in the little uh, okay. Yeah, the last one, uh, the one that says to some of the last picture, I'm an asshat. Um, and you know I should look up. I like I told myself every single time I smack my head, I'm like, look up, look up. Oh so. Um, I forgot to mention this. Oh, there it is. I just found it. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, God. You got the bandana around your head. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, so this one was different. Um, so I forgot to mention why this one was different. Usually, you just smack your head on a log, and you just get, like, a big thing. I can send you a picture of this. Uh, there was a giant, um, j- like, jagged stick or, like, thick stick coming out of the log at a downward angle. Oh, and the stick geez. went through my hat into my head. Oh, That's how God. much force it was going. Yeah, it was... <laughs> Dude, that's like, oh my god that's fucking crazy yeah um 
I will include a... Is your Instagram public? Yeah, it's public. Okay. I usually ask uh, my guests at the end if they want to shout out their Instagram or their any of their social media links. So why don't you uh, tell people where they can go find this uh, gr- gruesome... <laughs> I mean, it's not that gruesome, but there's no, definitely no. some blood in there. So Yeah. That was after I cleaned up myself, too. <laughs> why don't you uh, go ahead and, and plug that link in case people want to go check that out or if they want to follow you on any of your future hikes, your PCT hike that's going to happen yeah. sometime. Uh, so my Instagram is I'm uh, I am underscore parked. P-A-R-K-E-D. Parked's my last name. Very um, fitting. Yeah. Wait, is it park or park? Parked. Uh, past tense. Yeah, I don't know. I just... Uh, I, I meant your last name. Oh, Park is is Park. Okay, yeah, good. Okay, I thought yeah. I, I, I for a second I thought you meant your last name was Parked, and that I <laughs> fucked it up at the beginning, and I was no, no, an no, asshole. No, but <laughs> all right, cool. I'm Parked on Instagram. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, uh, we're yeah, we're over an hour at this point, so I think we're gonna try to wrap things up. So I know you mentioned you're thinking about doing the PCT in the future here. I just wanted to ask before we sign off here: Are there any other hikes or big adventures that you're planning for the uh, near future um yeah uh so definitely the triple crown is something that i want to do um we met uh i think it was with you as well some estonians that talked about the terrora which is the through hike through yeah um new zealand which i have been researching and it looks awesome but um i uh, i'll do that probably after i finish the the home state ones but in the meantime since i have a job now uh Probably do like some good section hikes, like maybe the Colorado Trail, the Wonderland Trails, while prepping for like a longer through hike. Um, there's a bunch over on the the West Coast, which I'm moving to right now. So maybe some of the John Muir. Hell yeah, man. Well, if you make it out on any of those trails, I'm going to have to have you back on the show to talk about that because I'm trying to, uh, I mean, most of my guests so far, all except for one, are uh, AT through hikers. But um, mm-hmm. I would like to definitely expand and get some guests on that have done other trails besides the AT. So maybe uh, uh, maybe we'll see Breeze Daddy round two at some point here on Trail Tales. <laughs> I'll do you one better. Uh, next time I do that, I'll send an invite to you and Mikey so you, we can uh, all uh, hook up again. Hell yeah, man. I'm so down. I'm so down. Cool. Well, uh, Breezy, thanks again for taking the time, man. I really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And um, thanks for everybody for listening. Uh, yeah. Signing off now. Have a good one.